stand up next to a mountain and I knock it down with the edge of my hand. <laughs> Any more? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were just getting up the pieces up. and make an island. <laughs> Raise up some sand. There we go. Awesome. So that's our special guest today, Carlito. Manny. Here we are at another podcast, man. We're I back at Skylux Studios. Where's Mark? He actually, I don't know where he is. This is the first know. time he's left early. No, he's been gone before, man. But we're back here, and uh, we want to just say thank you, Mark, again for giving us a home. Skylux and Mark, you are amazing. Thanks for supporting and changing the industry every single time we do this. The whole crew, everybody, you guys have been having a great winter, and hopefully it's going to be an amazing spring and summer. Keep up the great work. We love you guys, and best roofers, give them a call. Now... Let's get to the podcast. Oh, the dirty stuff. No, not the dirty <laughs> stuff. This is going to be a really interesting podcast. We have a very special guest. So to the left of me, I have... Adnan Zabian. And you are... Modular Building Engineer. Modular Building this Engineer. This is interesting. This is going to be I like where this is going already. This is yeah. going to be very interesting. In construction, but out of construction, but in construction. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the guys that contractors yell at for not... <laughs> so. No, uh, you're about what? Six foot four? I'm six, six two, about six. 280. Yeah. <laughs> I lift. I, I hit the bag. Which, which contractors are yelling at you, man? Well, secretly under the breath, I oh, guess. okay. All right. Now listen, I, I won't lie. There's always problems between architects, engineers, and contractors. Yes, always. Always. Absolutely. Why don't you but tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the industry and how long you've been at it and get us up to speed and then we'll get right into it. I've been in it all together for about, I would say, 14 years, split between uh, modular uh, structure engineering and solar energy, alternative energy. Oh. Did that for about seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Solar hot water heating was my forte right, nice. Out, of, right nice. out of college. Graduated from Fanshawe College in London, Ontario, my hometown, born and raised. 519, shout out, <laughs> shout out. <laughs> the 519, baby. Nice. Um, but yeah, so I, I did that, and then I, uh, I did renewable energy for about seven years after finishing. And then uh, in my 20s, I moved out to Toronto. I've been living here ever since, more I'm, or less. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Coming from London. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Usually people move from here and go out. That's what I heard. <laughs> I loved it. I, it yeah, I love it. But I love it here. It's second home. It's Married a beautiful now, so. city. It is Wonderful. a beautiful city, despite yeah. all the... Yeah. We won't get into that. We don't yeah. have time for it. Well, I, I did. I did a four-year stint, a volunteer position with the Toronto Planning Review Panel as well. So, I got oh, the how was that? Dirty. It was stuff. good. Yeah, it was. It was good. We went over certain things like the rail deck park, lots of other projects that they want to do, setbacks with condos, and the new regulations and new parks. Beautiful. And so yeah, they're doing. They're going to be doing a lot of really cool things. I hope the rail deck thing happens. The uh, city needs it to begin with. Yeah, and Jen Keys, Matt came in, former uh, head of planning, she came in early on and uh, you know, we met a lot of really good people and a lot of big developer people and and they came in and uh, also city planning came in and said, here's what we want to do with our Eglinton Crosstown and here's how we want to uh, do things around the city. So they just added another delay for the crosstown. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't get it. I mean, Hang like on. It, it's the city. <sighs> yeah. But I've yeah. seen other cities pull off stuff a lot faster. For bigger. the listeners, what but, is the rail deck? So the rail deck park is a 20 acre park. Don't quote me. I think it's about that. Wow. That's, that's going big. right above where Union Station is and the CN Tower and Ripley's and all that. You got those eight or nine rail wide. 
they're going all the way over and they're making wow. that into like park with an, an urban, park. Li- urban park with a, tent city yeah more or less yeah. there's no. gonna be a lot no. of people sleeping no. in there no yeah. no, no that's not <laughs> that's the idea what they're doing. so yeah it should be nice i thought it was a, i think it's a great idea but i don't know if they're uh, last i heard it was kind of it was a budget that I started yeah. hearing a lot of things about the numbers were just getting crazy. But, well, the only thing we really have is like the Don Valley and High Park. Yes. We don't, we don't so have So we need something to represent the city a little bit more. Absolutely. And my friend lives, uh, used to live on Telegram Muse right by the Rogers Center. Familiar with that area. It needs something because they got to go. He has to go a little bit of a distance at the time to, to go to anything close to where he can hike. It's a sea of ugliness there. It's just, yeah. I mean, trains are yeah. beautiful, but it's just track, 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 track. Exactly. Then you get right into Union Station and it yeah. does not look. Why can't you just park a park on top of this? Like, why can't you structurally just build <laughs> yeah. it and just New York, do it? New York did That's it. how I think, man. New York was doing it. New yeah. Jersey's doing uh, it. Boston do it? or Boston did it. Yeah. So, I mean, all these other cities are doing it. That's what yeah. I'm saying is Toronto should actually step up and start doing these yeah. kinds of things. So man. the hope is they want to increase the uh, tourism and all that behind it. And I'll bring in tourists. Which it will. Totally well, it will. Awesome. I'm even more interested in the green aspect of it all. Yeah. Manny always wanted to go to a petting park. <laughs> First of all, you're going to learn real quick. A lot of what he says that has my name attached to it yeah. is complete fabrication. That's all, all right. I'm just letting no, you, you know. You like that petting park. <laughs> That's on King Street on For Your Eyes Only. Okay? That's a different park. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Definitely a petting park. Yeah. <laughs> We won't get there. We won't get there. Let's get back to yeah. you. Modular. Let's talk yes. about all this stuff. Oh, I'm excited about So what my specialty is, I actually design solutions using offsite modular construction. So it can be made out of wood structure. So what we do is we have, say, a house, for example, and we would reverse engineer it and figure out ways how we can build sections of it in a factory, take it on a float, and then take it out to site and then stack wow. it on the foundation. Doing it that way, that's uh, where a lot of the work camps and uh, construction trailers uh, for the big guys are made that way. Uh, Your William Scotsman, your Atco's, your Box Modular, I think Box Modulars. That's more how they do for the fleets. But now they're moving into different methodologies. So, and then the newer stuff also is container conversion. So you get a shipping container and you convert it over into a living space. Is Toronto embracing that? Yes, for the reason why is they just passed a bylaw where they're allowing in the alleyways, they're allowing alleyway suites. All the laneway homes, right? Yeah, laneway homes, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm confused because I'm building a bed and breakfast in Prince Edward County. One of the stipulations for any of the lots is that Mm. you have to have a minimum of 1,000 square feet. Like I have two shipping containers. They're 50 feet, 8 feet high. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at originally building a shipping container like bed and breakfast right and they said a thousand square feet how do you get a thousand square feet out of that well there's two ways you could do it you can stack it or you can just lay it out flat ways and what you do is you pre-notch the walls which become your mate walls are called so that's where the two pieces come together and you notch out your things or you can open it right up and run a post like right across reinforce it and then you can start going that way you have your middle center box which is notched both ways and then you have your end pieces and then you would rough in all of your you know your windows and your facades and however you want it to look and then usually it's foam insulation with those bat is usually more or less just for becomes sound attenuation but you usually go with foaming on the outside the foam doesn't really create a sound issue with it being a container no it doesn't because what what i usually do is i usually go foam on the outside and bat on the inside for that because it could but sometimes it's it's used for a usage where it's not really that big a deal because it can be used really for 
really anything. People use it for greenhouses. They use yep. them for, I've, I've done that too. You can use that, but I, use, I like to use both. And then from there, you can uh, essentially arrange them in the way that you need. You can put it on a block foundation. You can put it on a standard. And then you essentially just start putting it together in sections and snip it out to site. And then you have your stitch lines, which is about 12 inches on either side of where your mate line is. And then you would essentially finish that on site. So, so the mate line is what? The mate line is the actual, the exterior shell of it that's being connected to another unit? Yes. That's so the mate line. So it's where they come together. The, Got it. it. Literally a mate line. It's about an inch and a half once they're set apart. And then uh, you would use your, however you attach them. If it's wood frame, you could just bolt them together with a long leg bolt, unbolt it when you're done, lift them out. However, you got to make sure it's pre-notched in certain areas so that it, you can have a leg bolt there. Got so, Because that's your perimeter beam. Sometimes you just set it and then you would actually, on the outside, if you're doing a skirting on a block foundation, you would just tether it down with duckbills and then you ratchet it. So what a duckbill is, I don't know if you're familiar with them or not. No. So it's like, uh, it literally looks like a duckbill on the bottom and then it goes into the ground about three or four feet below the frost line. And then it's attached to airplane cable. And you got a bracket on the underside of the unit. And then there's an attachment that ratchets it like just like a strapping for a truck. And, and it stays can, put. It stays put, no problem. There's helical piles as well. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Is oh, that yeah. No. Yeah. no, 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 no. You can use... Look how excited he got. Well, you can, yeah. you can put, a lot of people have been building it. I, I wanted to find out how much of the history do you know about... What city or country was the first one to actually start using these containers? As far as I know, Holland. 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 I watched the documentary. I could be wrong on this one, but they've been doing it for a long time because it's very damp. So they had to come up a way where they had a growing population... And they had to actually find a way where they can either submerge them in swampy waters and make a development. They are doing that now. It's fascinating. Wow. And the other way is that we got to build them somewhere. It's not a problem. And then we just set them into place. So There's enough factories in Toronto. Yeah. There's a lot you can do. Yeah. <laughs> so all the people that I know that are really into this, because I, I mm. I'm following so many shipping container builders. Yeah. It's a lot of hipsters. Yes. What I'm worried about is, we already have an exaggerated cost for living mm -hmm. in Toronto and it's really unreachable for, you know, 70% of population. People sure. are overstretching. Are you afraid that bringing these shipping containers in, into play with homes, it's going to really jack up the price of these houses? I don't think so. Uh, reason being is because for me, what I've, the usage I've always used it for is for that I've designed and, and engineered is for more commercial based. You know, anybody from KFC sent up a, a stationary temporary coffee shop to uh, cottages. There's a lot of the residential uses. And in the homes, uh, using it inside of like a dense urban area, I'm looking at it as offering like an, a low cost alternative. What are we talking about here? Like the cost mm -hmm. of a container... Mm -hmm. Is what about ten grand? Uh, about five grand for a nine. Five and a grand, well, yeah. But that's second hand. Second hand, yeah. yes, yeah. But you want to go ten grand for? You always want to go new. I've never worked with second hand. Well, I have, and yeah, I don't want to know what's well, been in the used. Yeah, ones. you got to produce paperwork <laughs> saying that you didn't have any food or chemicals stored in there. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah exactly. That. So you always want to go new. You always want to go with the nine and a half footers. Okay. What do you mean? The ones from China? They're all. They're not okay. Don't, 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 don't. You figure I would have been the guy to bring yeah. that? No. I'm will, not going to talk about call that. Me I, I will say. The <laughs> reason why I'm happy because you got to uh, have your room for your duct work. I'd rather go up top with my duct work than out of the floor with those because it stays in the insulated space. So you don't have to insulate the duct more than 10 feet as it gets into the unit. And also, uh, you have a return air plenum wall, so it's less return duct, and it's not going to reduce your headspace too much. So if you go with the eight footer, you got to worry about all of that, and then 
you know, a guy like me has a hard time walking around. Typically, you'd probably go eight foot high, right? Finished. Seven finished. foot 11. Finished. Seven, yeah, seven eleven finished, yeah. And what is the thermal break or the, I should say, the R value of the, you know, the floor, the walls, and the ceiling? Is it um, all the same? Uh, no, uh, you would go R12 to R16 on the walls, and then you would go about uh, R30 in the roof and about R20 in the floor. But now the bylaws are different, so I'm going to go about R50. Which is why I do the foaming on the outside. That gives you extra twenty. So, How is the city embracing this? It's slow and steady. Like it's not becoming a boom, but I think it's starting to become. And like a person like me is trying to get the word out more because it was. It's a huge industry, uh, no doubt about that. It's not well known in the urban areas as much as it is in the outside. I lived in up north, north of uh, Barrie area, where there's a lot of manufacturers up there for about a year and a half, and I just lived up there and I submerged myself in it. And there's a lot of cottages up there that are done uh, in this method, either stick built or sip panel or. Because a person, they buy the land, they take their life savings or whatever it is, they buy the land, and then they say, okay, well, I need another half a million bucks just to put something here. So True. They, they have factories in this area, they build them to suit, they ship them out, and uh, you send them right out, and that's what they do. Before we get ahead, I actually mm-hmm. just want to, if you want to just let our listeners know about your website and how mm-hmm. to contact you, have done a lot of research into this, you work on this, so if yes. someone's interested in getting into this modular section of things, sure. they can contact you. So your mm-hmm. information? My information, I uh, have a website, www.acadmodular.com, A-C-A-D-M-O-D-U-L-A-R.com. And my um, uh, phone number, email, adnan at acadmodular.com, A-D-N-A-N at acadmodular.com. They can get a hold of me. Perfect. Let's get right back into it. I'm really interested, you know, what do you guys do about septic and solar and wind? What, what, yeah. is, what is the preference or what's the go-to when you, when you do that? Is so, it off-grid or do you actually make it connected to well you can make it either or we've done ones where it's connected to the city where there's two ways to do it you can do you do your standard meter electric meter outside you have your panel on the inside and uh, you just connect it either from underground because you if you're doing a foundation or a block foundation you got about three feet where you can crawl under and do make your connections for your plumbing your electrical and it works just normal uh, as any other normal residential. Crawl space. Yeah. yeah, crawl space. But you still got to keep it heated. Yeah, well, that's what the insulated skirting, you would do that. I'm more of a fan. And uh, well, they go underneath the frost line too. So I'm more of a fan of uh, actually insulating your piping when it's going through the pro- frost line area. And then you would just make your connection uh, to the drain or septic. Like, okay, so I'm off grid up mm. north right okay. now. I have solar panels and yep. generators. And, you know, I try to stay off the generators. I really try to stay to, the, you know, battery backup power. Sure. But I find that I have a huge rodent problem. Okay. Do you see that being a, a big problem in the shipping containers? Not uh, no, because you got ins- you got exterior insulation and it's a steel structure. You will so I've seen it sometimes in the wood structure ones if it's open joists. You know they get in there and then you know eat all your wires yeah, and everything. Else. So that's why I'd rather keep everything within the structure as much as possible. So you just have your main coming in, uh, your main plumbing connection, your main electrical connection, and your main drain, and you're off and going. So everything stays within the structure. Nothing is really too much done. Are you living in one yourself? I'm designing one right now currently. I will be living in one very soon. So right now our current office uh, is in uh, Brampton and uh, myself and the other architect, uh, Archisystem is what they're called. Archisystem. Archisystem, yeah. Yeah, they've done lots of... Never heard of that. Yeah, yeah, they're a smaller company. I'm partnered with them in uh, doing this. Uh, We're looking at actually designing one where that's going to be our next office and just drop it somewhere where it becomes a cool. 
showpiece. How big are you guys going to make this one? Probably two, three thousand square feet, but it'll be like kind of a two story, kind of a funky thing, like four wide and two up top, but a little area. So, so how many containers are we talking about? One, two, yeah, four wide on the bottom, six, and then you have your uh, stairs where you turn one sideways, a 20 footer sideways, which wow. is why, again, why I like to go with uh, nine and a half feet because it lines up with the height. And you have your staircase on the outside, and, and then you have your boardroom up top, and then your offices on the bottom. Looking forward to it. So so it's the idea that you take each container. So you've got four mm -hmm. on the bottom there. Are you cutting the openings that are going to be uh, connected to each other beforehand? Yes, beforehand. And then you're duck billing them together, connecting them, right? That's that way. right. Yeah, everything, everything is done essentially in the plant. So the only thing that gets done, and everything gets a CSA designation number. So Intertech has uh, consulting companies that certify each unit. And they each have their own number. So what you can do is you can trace back the number of who worked on it, when it was worked on, and what is it. So essentially, the, that makes it the equal to buying a refrigerator or any appliance. So the OBC... Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, uh, so with building code, people ask, what do you do about the inspections and building codes? And I said, well, it's CSA. It's above and beyond, in certain cases, uh, what the current OBC standards are. So you go from your foundation sign off to your final occupancy essentially in one swoop. But along the way, you submit with the rest of your uh, design drawings like any other thing. You get your permit based on that. They approve it. They go through all the process. It's just, it's an alternative way to build something. It's not something extremely revolutionary where let's see what happens kind of thing. It's been being done for a long time now. I would like to, I'm trying to get it more to a broader audience instead of just. So how do we do that? How do we get the, the audience to kind of embrace this? Because I, I, the one thing I think that I see a lot of, to use his word, because I didn't realize that we're still using the word hipsters. Yeah. Do they still exist? Well, I, I call anything that's. Anything. <laughs> I what I think a hipster is, is somebody that's, you know, artsy, fartsy, and they just want something new and modern or different. Mm. And they're not buying it for the purposes of having a smaller home, more simple life, you know, off grid. Mm. They're just looking to be cool and, and you know, modern, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So send your emails to Carlito, not yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. But I could see these people, this group of individuals not being all that attractive with the exterior. Well, to get around that, I actually work my design around where it can look like a traditional house or it's a super modern, really attractive looking house. You so you know. can still clad it like really? So yeah. maybe you can even use like an ACM, you can use any kind of cladding. Any kind of cladding, any kind of cladding. You just strap it and then you do your foaming flush with the strapping on the outside of it and then you would uh, essentially you clad it from there whatever you want to clad it i haven't done brick strictly because when you're transporting it it can it's a little brittle yeah so any brick facade has been done on site so other than that you can pretty much clad it with whatever and it's not going to look like a shipping container no no and the no. reason that we're doing all this is because it actually builds a lot faster yes. and your budget is a lot less it can be uh, when you're dealing with the stick built what i've seen i just want to use realistic numbers i've seen a 10 to 15 percent overall savings on your build costs with a stick built unit meaning okay. uh, that's where you build it stick frame but in a plant and then you put them together with the shipping container i've seen a little bit more but then uh, people will, there's the argument where they say okay well my material cost has gone up where's my savings well the saving is is, is uh, time and your labor on site and uh, so overall you're going to be you're going to be saving uh, maybe 20 percent on your shipping container costs depending on if you build a big monstrosity it's going to get expensive for me that's what i'm doing and what work my company is doing is we're actually developing a set product line with a set price 
So it gives you an idea. So uh, we're going to have a model for a self-powered uh, container for remote living. Uh, we, it's kind of off the shelf, kind of just you buy it. We're going to have a product line and then you kind of take a look at that. And then it's already pre-priced and you get an idea. And then we just say, okay, you get a delivery in four to six weeks. And you can build it faster because you're building it inside, controlled inside. environment. That's right. And then you're shipping it to the location and dropping it onto piers or whatever you're going to yep. set up for your foundation. Yeah. Like it, it would build faster. It would build faster. I kind of disagree with that. <coughs> mm -hmm. When I was in New Orleans, I worked for Brad Pitt for a few months. Okay. And we had like eight developers there or eight, eight groups of people building for the community of the Lower Ninth. We were building a stick framed house. Mm -hmm. Everybody else did modular. By the time we got to the second floor, they were just starting to deliver these houses. And we actually beat them on our build, building a stick home versus... The modular where do you think they went wrong and why that wasn't faster than it should have been you can't do it for every single usage to get and, and guarantee that it's going to take less time where it works the best is where something is designed for it i looked at a, a, a proposal set of proposal drawings for the utm building one thing is they did an alternative for modular structure and they did it where it was made for it so they had the exterior skeleton get erected and then they start inserting them pre-made Timeline, I'm not sure if it was going to take less time than stick built. So I just looked at uh, what that was and I just kind of did like a consultancy kind of thing. And with one of the manufacturers that was bidding on it, kind of did a consultancy thing with them. And I said, look, I don't think it can beat what the traditional build is. You can try to pick up that because that's where your biggest source of cost savings is. What I found where it works the best, the purposes was sales offices. I've done four of those for the home builders. They have a subdivision and they just need a, that one worked really well. Food trucks, small living houses, additions. Additions were uh, work really good. But when you're going back to your New Orleans thing here, is probably the design was preset towards something that wasn't ideal for it. So you had some jogs in the walls. You probably had a lot of open areas. Was it or no? I, mean, I didn't go into, stories. into their homes. I only got to see them from the outside and while right. they were being connected. But I was right. so busy building the, ho the yeah. house that we were building, yeah. right? Well, your house was what, a two-story that you were building? It or? was a two-story on right. stilts. So we were like... 12 feet off the ground and right. then it was two stories and then a massive nine different angled roof ridge to catch solar that's probably what the source was is that there was other aspects that caused a little bit of a delay which is probably what made it quicker like what's the big thing with me is i'm always like that is it's it's going to take longer i tell them it's going to take longer for in that case that's probably what it what i can think is what what it was yeah no i was i was just kind of asking that because mm -hmm. when when we showed up there, I've never been around that. I've mm -hmm. always heard about it. We were serious about being down there, helping out, but mm -hmm. even more that we were really good tradespeople. I was scared that they were going to blow us out of the water because it could have been assembled three months before we even showed up. True. They could have just been dropping them into place, right? Uh, true, yeah. So why are people drawn to that then? To doing it modular? To one? modular, yeah. Well, what do they do is one of the things is uh, it can be done faster if you do it in the method that they've done them at Western Alberta. So what they do is they actually set up a temporary plant two kilometers away from the site and just crank them out and set them on to set them into place. So that's one of the ways where it works. So these were probably done in like Wisconsin and driven down across the country too. So that could be something that might have cut some stuff down or logistics or I like to keep things where my recommendation is if you're going to do enough of these units, and what I've seen is they set up a temporary plant there and they get the area CSA certified and then they go and they're within a certain area range and then they have their floats, they have their trucks and everything there just doing it for them and then they're just sending it out. 
So that's what gets drawn and in, in, uh, what gets drawn to them with the custom home stuff. If you're talking large scale, you got to have a plant right there next to where the development is for this to work time-wise. What is the largest home you can build in modular? Ones that I've seen, I've uh, done little micro factories for uh, cultivation. That one was, one wing was about like a dozen along, another one the other way, and had about 20 going the other way. It was like a T-shape. And there were, and then you had a little lobby, and then there was a raised lobby. It was for, uh, I, they didn't go ahead with it. I just did the design for it, but it was for a uh, person that uh, was uh, doing uh, legalization product. And it was a lot of that now. Yeah, yeah. Wait, we're talking about weed. No, yeah. but no, but serious. How many people are investing yeah. in that? How many people yeah. are making millions? And it's yeah. a great point that you're bringing. Maybe investors, you know, they hear this, they yeah. want to do that because yeah. building a factory is pretty yeah. hard. And the thing is with that is that you can guarantee the cleanliness of it because it's all done internally. It's not stick built, and they can start growing right then. There's one that did micro factories. Uh, they've done ones that are small, twenty footers, where somebody just wants to grow in their backyard. I've done lots of stuff. Cool. I just, just drew it out and they guide it. They do everything and that's uh, what they do. And, and it works. So what's the size of the $5,000 one? 5,000 one is uh, the typical size, which is about 40 feet long by eight foot wide by nine and a half tall. That's what a container costs. $5,000. I've gotten quotes for $5,000 at Toronto. That's yeah. cheap. That's, yeah. That so sounds second cheap. Hand. So, so second for me, hand. yeah. So for me, I had a choice to buy a 25 year. It will last for 25 years or it will last mm. for 10 years or five mm. I chose for five because I was putting my farm equipment into it. So I didn't right. really care. That's right. And I've had it for years. Yeah. And honestly, I don't care how long it's been at, at sea. If they say five years, I've already, the life expectancy is already passed. And I'm still like surprised. There's no rust on it, except for the doors where the hinges yeah. are. And a home like that you're building. You're going to get rid be, of those doors. Yeah, you're going to tear gonna it off. Of the I, doors, yeah. I could see yeah, this like you can buy some property up north and get a cottage area and mm. then get you guys to actually draw it up and then mm. get three or four of these containers modularly built a cottage four units you're talking about 20 grand let's say for arguments like 25 mm. grand plus your fees and then mm. plus the finishing or you're all you well you got to do your installation you got to run all your rough and you got to do all your finishing from yep. there yeah it's still it's still a far cry from some of the cottages that we know that are basically second homes for people that yeah. become 200 bucks a square foot and you're still paying 300 grand for a cottage yeah. right and it can look really nice they really can if you do it properly they i've seen ones that look really nice and I've had uh, have somebody, a friend of mine, he's looking at putting him on his property where he's doing like a little uh, resort kind of thing. Love it. And he's doing an L shape and a little L shape little hotel rooms. And I like the U's myself. Yeah, yeah the yeah. U shape too. I like that one. A little too, pool so. in the middle. Yeah, it's neat. <laughs> <laughs> I love those ones. They're yeah. doing it and they look really nice. And one of they do is at the two ends, that's the door end of it. That's facing the water. You take the doors off. Then you put in your basically full window, wow. and a full sliding door. Keep the doors open. Right. And then you build a roof on that and then you have an enclosed kind of privacy kind of balcony kind of thing. And pretty much they are bulletproof. Yes. Um, but I've seen guys like when they, I know guys that have cottages and they have yeah. these, they just close these big steel doors yep. and no weather can smash no. windows, get in. Nothing. Um, one of my favorite is, is actually the H when they put the middle part for the H, you yeah. can actually drive under it. Like, Oh, okay. Like a roof. That's interesting. Yeah. You could drive your car underneath. Oh, okay. And, it goes on top the other way. Yeah. yeah. It's it looks neat. really cool. If I was, say, you know, in my 30s and me and my girlfriend wanted not to build a traditional home. You're married, I, by the way, huh? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, my wife's totally into this. I'm, yeah. I'm almost 50, man. And uh, really? yeah. Oh, and okay. my wife is totally into this. Yeah. And I, I won't lie. Like, if you look at my Instagram, a lot of it is shipping containers. I'm yeah. very drawn to it. I like yeah. the look. I don't think 
the trick is to make it look like a home. It really needs to have that modern shipping container look. Yes. That's the cool look. Yes. Like when you buy a shipping container, you want a shipping container. There's cool things you can do to it, but you want to yes. keep it modern. And I'm a big fan of designing around what it is. That's the best way to do it. I've had many times home builders have come to me and said, well, I did this one last year. Do a little design, uh, do a price for it, and let me see. And I would tell them after a while, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to beat your price. You got a system set into place. You got all that. It can be done. I'd rather put, what I learned is push like what you're saying is just, this is what it is. It's a modified shipping container. They look great. Here's a, here are the uses for it where it would be best. And then you got also different things. You got uh, SIP panels, collapsible structures. And what, what's that? Okay. So this one is like my real pet project. So uh, there's a little story behind it. So I'm about what, 2016. So 2016, I went back to, I uh, went back to Lebanon. So my, my parents have a house there and, and all that. So I, I went back. And uh, we, I was driving, uh, I was driving with my cousin, we were going into the areas and uh, a place called the Bekaa Valley, which is um, where a lot of the Syrian refugees came over. So I was driving by one of these, uh, one of the areas, and then I see the conditions and how it's, you know, uh, lack thereof and how they're living and all that. And then start thinking and, uh, you know, we read the news and everything and you start looking at everything. And then it kind of hit me like a bolt of lightning. I was just like, why don't I just come up with like a collapsible structure for something like this? You know what I mean? Any use. It's not just that. It could be for disaster areas. It could be yes. for, like, say, Australia, for example, had that huge fire or yes. whatever. It could be something that uh, you can set it up within a day or two, and then they have someplace that's solid. It's, you know, you're not going to – it can hold stuff. It can People can live in it for a, a little while. It's not going to be the Ritz-Carlton, but it's going to be something that's stable and safe and uh, has a locking door and self-powered and uh, – so I started kind of getting into that. So they're, they're out there, but one of the things that we're developing and I'm working with an organization called uh, ITTS Foundations. What's that stand for? I Talk to Strangers. It's an interesting... I Talk to Strangers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The founder, I like where this is going. It's, it's pretty <laughs> neat. So the founder, his name is... Uh, I was just talking to him today, actually. I told him I was doing a podcast. His, uh, his name is Robbie, Robbie okay. Stokes. So the founder of this thing worked for the Obama administration and uh, he did certain things and you know he through his experience you know I went to uh, you know Florida State worked at NASA the, the whole deal and he's like two years younger than me I'm 35 so he's 33 <laughs> I wish I was he's, <laughs> just so he's, he's a brilliant guy so um, he started a found a not-for-profit foundation and then uh, basically what it was is that he was um, he's trying to go back to essentially getting back to communication like how we're talking right now and he works with kids with different type of uh purposes and and one of the things he was in uh, south sudan and juba and all these other crazy places and i met him through a mutual friend of ours we got together we've been working together on developing this so we're hopefully getting close to actually having a um uh, it's called a mobile bus like a classroom bus thing so we're going to be... It's a temporary uh, kind of structure? Yeah, it's a temporary uh, pop-up schools where you can go from town to town. Cool. And, yeah, he was in Puerto Vallarta last week, and um, he was there for months, and we're trying to develop something down there where it's solar-powered, solar-hot water heating. So you come in, you pop up, you teach the kids, you do whatever whatever usage you want to do, and then you pack it up and you keep going. So Bring um, it to the next location. Off well, to the next location. Yeah. And I love that because I'm a real true believer. This politics, of mm. course, but... I really believe that you have to fix the problem where it is. You mm. can't fix it somewhere else. So yeah. it's great that you guys are doing that. You guys yeah. are going to their location yeah. 
and educating them, teaching them to fix the problem there. Yeah. That's how it works. Right? And the best thing with this is that we want to basically, one of the things he wants to teach them is certain things. We teach them a trade, teach them how to teach them how to basically build something, what they have before the stuff even gets there. It's really interesting. I've known him for a, year, a few years now, and uh, he's actually, he's going to be here next month. If you ever want to get somebody on, you can talk to this guy for sure. Definitely. We, <laughs> we'll we love talking. To, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if everyone wants to come on, he's a very interesting guy. So these yeah. units, you guys are calling them, what was the project again? You labeled um, uh, What did they call it again? The role, um, like the mobile classroom bus okay. project yeah mobile cl- uh, bus uh, something like that I don't, I don't want to so you're it. taking a shipping container converting it and then it's yep. able to actually just drop right onto the the grade or the soil yep. there or well, you actually still peel it? in this case we're going to do it where we're going to modify it so it can be pulled uh, where they can actually be going to essentially it can pop up and be collapsed and go into something like a truck uh, that's what we're trying to figure out now flatbed oh. or whatever they have there and then it can go from town to town and place to place so when you're saying collapse are you talking about the actual walls or yeah you take the thing apart you lay them down and uh, like really sheets and slide them and yeah yeah that's one or, or even easier just jack it up put some axles under yeah. it that's what i did at my place. farm you could do uh, that too yeah. yeah so i took an i-beam welded mm-hmm. two hubs on yep grabbed the the uh, backhoe mm-hmm. and the bulldozer and yep. we put one end wheels and just put it into place and then oh, cool. dropped it down. It was great. Well, that's uh, one of the things I'd like to do. But one of the things that is limited is down in Mexico, for example, it might be a little bit harder to do that when you're driving on the side of a cliff. You saw me some of the videos he's done. I'm like, okay, well, let's try to figure this out then because I don't want the thing to roll down a hill. Just right? access to get to where you're going to yeah, get to. Yeah, so we got to think lighter than that. But if we're talking North America, yeah, it's ideal. But over there, he's just describing, he goes, picture you need to get into the middle of a field where there's barely any road. So we got, it's, it's a Can't airlift it or anything like that? You can airlift them too. That's okay. one thing we're discovering. It depends on, we're looking at all, all type of ways to move these things. So one of the things that I... Um, that, that we're developing is like an interlocking core structure and then you fill it in with and it's slotted with sit panels so it can either be airlifted if you need to tear it down and move it somewhere you can do that and then the bed of it is actually something that actually attaches to the bus or something that's pulling it to another town so it's getting challenging but are you getting some resistance from the government or we uh, i haven't gotten that far, that far with it. or do you um, need permission to for what we're doing no uh he was down there for months and go uh, figure eh? do you need permission to help people yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> sometimes you do um but sometimes you do it in terms of uh, with something like this no no uh, you, okay. he was from what he's done he hasn't had much problems but we're working together he said you do what you do he's more of that uh, diplomacy kind of person so he did a uh, he did a ted talk uh, as well and all that so he, oh well wow. so that's uh, his thing so he's, he's opening up the doors <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, to me it's an interesting thing we're working on it for for a little while so i'm like this fits right with what i want to do anyway so uh, this came around the same time as when i was when i came back from that trip so i was kind of like well this is really interesting and i've been rolling this has been my passion project on the side from Nice. What I do professionally, basically. Another thing I love about shipping containers, you can just drop this thing off. And even if you don't get to building it, mm-hmm. it's still waterproof. Yes. It's still structural. Yep. And it's still Whatever. usable. I have a couple of barns I've built and some large sheds for mm-hmm. my gardening and so mm-hmm. on. I find that when I'm in the metal shipping container, mm-hmm. it conducts less than the actual wood structures I've built. So yeah. I find that when I'm in like, not that I hang out in, in cold spaces or warm zones, <laughs> but, but when I'm in an attic, yeah. I always find that it's radiating heat or really mm. cold. And I find when I go in the shipping container, it's not 
that bad. It's pretty yes. neutral almost. It's yeah. very comforting. It has some thermal value, but uh, more or less it's just because it's so airtight, more or yeah. less. That's the only problem. That's Don't makes put it... any gas in your containers. Yeah, yeah. Be very careful. That. It'll be bad. I don't think I've ever been inside a container. Come to my place. Yeah. No. It's interesting. No, thank you. No, that's not true. That's not true. I think I've been in some of the designer containers, some of the yeah. ones that have been like. There's stacked. Uh, there's a company that did the stacked market down by Lakeshore. Yeah, and there's a few. Yeah, it looks so sick. And it looks I've walked amazing. In it. I ride yeah. my bike by there all the time when incredible? we go along the lake. Just incredible. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I talked actually when at one of our TP. PRP meetings, the uh, city council that actually one of the people that approved that market was there. It's so cool. So I like kind of pulled him to the side as he was done. I'm like, hey. So I, I walked through. It's such an incredible It's place. so interesting to see that there's so many great restaurants in Toronto mm. and you could go there yeah. and everyone's sitting on the grass. Everyone's yeah. sitting. Like, it's so hipster. It's amazing. Like, I don't, and I shouldn't say hipster. More like hippie. Yeah. Like everybody's hippie. like. Yeah, it's very friendly. It is. Everybody's really cool. like. Interest in each other. It's yeah. really little cool. restaurants, little bar, little microbreweries. Yeah, it's a really interesting place. And it's the a great vibe. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, yeah. in the summertime, it's nice. Why aren't we building more of those in other bigger old urban cities that are? That's a good question. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get that out there. But from what I know, it's. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. Why it's not being done more of? It's starting to, I think, get there because, like we we're saying, materials cost has gone up too. Yeah, so people are trying to now. It's trying to kind of think. How do we build faster? Population's growing. In my home city, London, uh, for the first time in 30 years, there's been uh, the lowest uh, vacancy rate. In right? London? In London. Ontario. Yeah. Wow. It broke 400,000 when I was born and raised there. It was 331,000. So everyone's been years, leaving. People have been leaving. People have been uh, selling here or selling wherever else. And because you sell something for 600 grand here, you can buy a mansion in London. So people are just doing that. I've heard of people doing that with Bradford. Bradford, yeah. Yeah, that's been Oshawa, yeah. Kingston, Durham, Belleville. Well, yeah, Richmond Hill. Insane, right? So Aurora. So London's starting to get big. Cambridge has been doing that. That's been getting trendy. So the cost of that went up, but the average household income isn't as much as it is in the GTA. So they're looking at different ways to come up with quick ways to rent out units. I got a general contractor that I that I do work for. Uh, they're called Level Contracting in London. They're a great group of guys. So they have two properties where they want to do that. They want to do a, a rental suite on. Uh, but again, it's uh, they want to. They're interested in doing additions with these things. They're just we're kind of at a spot where I'm kind of giving them options, and then they're going to actually look into you know actually doing this and, and going for it because now there's a demand for it like crazy there, in other cities too. So it's starting to get there. Because uh, there's not enough people doing the builds, or materials are expensive, and so it's getting a little. We bit should be embracing new ways of doing things, right? Yeah, it's I, a I good way. It's not, not like anything's too revolutionary. It's no. just you're, you're, you're I just think everyone's. The method. I think everyone's sick of cookie cutters. Yes, they all look the same. Yes, you don't even know which <laughs> one's your house. Is that my house? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Not true. <laughs> true. How does? How do you, have you done anything? Whenever I talk to my buddies about this, mm. and this comes up all the time, we talk about shipping containers all the time. Okay. Like my group of friends is always talking about shipping containers. Awesome. They all want to get a cottage. They want to do shipping. Yep. This is a big thing. Yeah, it's yeah, really I, growing. I, I love it. Yeah. But we always make jokes, but they're serious. There's always some truth and some jokes or in comments. They always want to go underground with these. What yes. are the pros and cons, or is it not even realistic? There's pros and cons because you, it doubles as foundation more or less. So what you do is you put your normal helical piles and your normal block pads and everything to do. Then you set it, you submerge it, and then you get a basement out of it without having to shell out all that money for a foundation. That's the one. You can also use, people use them as wine cellars. 
Oh, uh, yeah, you I've don't need that. to waterproof it. You don't no. need to add drainage. You don't need no, to do anything. any of that stuff. Yeah, just uh, exterior Many, uh, foaming. Right. Ten years, I have not had a problem with my shipping container. You Nothing. parked it on the ground? It's on the ground. It's mm. a, a foot off the ground. Uh, mm. I have I-beams, and that's mm. basically what it sits on. I didn't do the footings because I wasn't finished with what I wanted to do. Yeah. I put two shipping containers beside each other. I got yeah. steel rafters. I put them over top to build an overhead so I could work on my tractors yep. and the backhoe and stuff, right? right? Yeah. Where Bulletproof. Well, I, we got a, a family farm in Tweed. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Where's that? Just north of Belleville. Okay. South of 7, 741. Okay. Yeah. All right. Interesting. All I right. have no idea where that is in the world. <laughs> it's, it's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. nice. I, I, so I got to ask, what yeah. is the negative with a shipping container? The negative? Um, it. The only one that I can see realistically, it doesn't work for every single thing that people want it to work for. That's the only negative that I could see. Okay. From an aesthetic standpoint or maybe from a costing standpoint. Functionality, I don't really see it because it's the same. Sorry. Don't put stuff on my hand. It's the same as um, uh, essentially just you're replacing a major factor of traditional building. You're using a different kind of a methodology, a different type of material to get you the same uh, outlook of what you want to do. Is it going to do absolutely everything? It can, but you got to work it into the design. That's where I come in. Personally, I really think that it simplifies your life. It makes it more enjoyable. The less you actually own or have, the more you enjoy life. Yes. And I feel like when me and my wife were trying to downsize, we're trying to pretend that we were going to be in like less than a thousand square feet. Mm. And it's almost impossible to imagine that you're going to live in less than a thousand feet if you're at my age and built yeah. up so much garbage. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the things actually that I, I, I did, actually, I just came up with an idea and I did this. My brother-in-law has a, has a custom cabinetry and millworking business in London. It's named Cedarwood Design. It's in London on Bessemer Road. So essentially what it is, is I came up with the space-saving solutions and I kind of worked that into that. So I said, okay, well, here's a a bedroom structure where you can get kind of by using a series of moving partitions, it can become a kitchen, it can become a bedroom, it can become whatever you need. And it's been done in RVs like crazy. Yeah. So I sat there and I thought about it. I'm like, why not do that inside the containers? It's it's there. So, and that's one of, the, one of the things that we've been doing where that's the one thing I want to do is like an introductory model off the shelf is where here's the living unit, already has all your amenities into it. And if you're looking for something, just a basic thing to live in up north, that's safe, that's warm, that's clean, that's, you know, what do you say, bulletproof and all that. It gives you everything you need and uh, you can live pretty much anywhere and move it wherever you want to move it. Something yeah. really even more important is I've been a trailer park boy for yeah. like 20 years plus. Okay. I'm surprised. Hi. <laughs> uh, different kind of trailer park boy. <laughs> um, with a modern twist, I, I yeah. love the off grid. What I did find is I have a beautiful, beautiful trailer. I have two of them, but I have one extremely beautiful. In the winter, my pop-outs, I have to worry about ripping the rubbers, yes. snow and ice built up on yeah. it. And the only way to get that space is to have these pop-outs. I really think that if anyone's listening, going to a shipping container, and if you've never had a trailer or lived in something like this, a shipping container is the way to go. Just to have a fireplace in there, yep. not have any maintenance-free. Like yes. the headaches of opening with power, yeah. you know, awnings and so on. Yeah. It's such a headache. And you don't have to worry about snow load. You don't have to worry about any thermal wind, loss. Thermal loss. Yeah. You don't have to worry about any of those things, really. Uh, as long as you use this, the right type of heating, because if you just do it with baseboard heating, it, it will work, but you just got to insulate it a little heavier. But I've done really fancy ones where they did like a barred unit and they adapted it and they ran ductwork and it was air conditioned and 
Wow. The whole thing. They yeah, they're loving it. They were just taking it everywhere. And uh, there's a home builder that I uh, that I did my uh, did a sales office for. Um, he's here in Toronto. Uh, he's a good guy actually. Um, uh, called Falcon Crest Homes. So what they did, they had a uh, Oshawa development back in 2013, and uh, we did a sales office for them. And they, you know, so once they were done, they uh, sold it to another home builder. They tore it down, took it to uh, <laughs> another <laughs> one. Took it to another site in Alliston. And, uh, and just threw it on a flatbed or something. Yeah, they did dismantled it, put the shipping walls into it, and this one was a stick built one. So uh, it was a uh, it was wood walls with a Q deck, so it was steel and concrete Q deck, and it had interlocking fittings right inside the right inside the floor, so it was notched out, and then you would just basically just connection points, Got just it. connect them there, move them aside with floats, and then uh, and then you and then put shipping walls and send it off to the next site, and that's what he did because nine times out of ten they build them and they just leave them there. So they, he recouped not all of his money, but he recouped some of his money back and off it went and he didn't have to worry about what am I going to do with this thing. And it looked really nice. It had braced foyers and, uh, you know, little demo areas and all that stuff in it. So. Have you ever heard of uh, Bunky, Bunky Co.? Bunky, no. There, uh, I actually just submitted my very first quote to assemble a Bunky Co. What's Bunky Co.? So a Bunky Co. is basically they're building uh, modular units uh, in a warehouse mm-hmm. under 106 square feet. Okay. That magic number, 106 square feet, is because of building code. You don't mm-hmm. require a permit. But it's 106, yeah. and it's supposed to be 100. Oh, no, 107 is the cutoff. 107 is actual fact. That's the actual fact. So that's why they're building them 100. So it's, it's Bunky Co., uh, Bunky, uh, B-U-N-K-I-E, okay. Co., and I actually submitted my quote to assemble this thing, and it's going to get parked in the backyard of a Toronto home. It's one of the first ones that's being put in a Toronto home. And the clients that were interested in this idea, they first looked at shipping containers. Okay. They were interested in shipping containers. So he's building this in the backyard because he wants to have, he work, they both work from home. I think they're going to have a second baby. He wants to have a office, but he doesn't want to have it in the house. Right. Okay. Quick. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, nice. so, so he wants to park it in the backyard. Yeah. So he found this company and it's, it's all made modular and it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, unpacked or, or, or disassembled. Mm-hmm. And then it's shipped to the site and then you have to reassemble it kind of like, you yeah. know, instructions, right? Yeah. It, it uses ACM. For mm-hmm. the exterior cladding, a lot of ACM, right? Oh, okay. uh, but it could be it could be any kind of cladding. Okay. But I like that it's using in, uh, the same the minimum size or sorry the maximum size that you're allowed without a building code. The only thing that we require is an ESA code, so we still have mm-hmm. to run power to it because mm-hmm. they're using a wall mounted, up to minus thirty five degree weather uh, mm-hmm. heater heat pump. Okay. An AC unit. You still have to insulate it with rock wall, rock yep. wall, and then you still have to weather tight it so it's all get blue skin on the outside, right? And then mm-hmm. you put the ACM on it. Yeah. I found it pretty interesting, but I mean, really if those neat. were, that's the kind of thing that you could probably get into as well, where sure. you're building containers that are 106 square feet. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, yeah, 10 by 10. I really want to say something. Uh, if anyone's listening right now, you can't just <laughs> stick this on a piece of property without a house. You have to have an existing 1,000 square foot home sure. to be able to have any correct. of these structures. Am I correct. not right? Correct. Correct. Yes. Yeah. 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 So if anyone's listening and they get into fantasy land and they kind of, because I've been there, had all mm-hmm. these great ideas that I want to build a couple of these, like five or six of them and just have decks connected and kind of keep it no, zen. No, you can't you, do that. You can't do that, but um, that's coming along. If it's an addition, you can do that. Like what you're saying, I don't know if uh, if you could as long as the city approves it. No, like I, I'm just asking. Like I've looked into it in Belleville. Okay, um, and they told me, listen, you have to have that thousand square footage first, and right. then you can do pretty much anything as long as they're not connected okay. and they don't have footings in the ground. It have to be floating. 
Right. No, okay. no, that's this, what this, I know. This is so, so we're, we're okay. parking on helical piles, right? So mm-hmm. I gave them the option. I submitted two quotes, one for a concrete pad, one for helical piles, right? Mm-hmm. And then they can decide. Obviously, the mm-hmm. helical piles But that's removable. So that it can be removable yeah. if you want to move it and take it with you. But you're still going to run a 30-amp cable to it to power the heat pump and mm-hmm. to power the lighting in there. And that's definitely a market because I've always been, since day one of being in construction, I felt that sheds to begin with in Canada. You love sheds. I hate sheds. <laughs> no, you I, love them. I, I can't stand them, right? So, I yeah. mean, if you could somehow... I, and this is... I'm just spitballing yeah, here, yeah, just yeah, throwing yeah. stuff out of you. Yeah. I mean, if you were to design... I don't know, take one of those containers, chop mm-hmm. them in half, chop them in thirds, yeah. and then yeah. create these sheds that are almost indestructible compared to the crap that we see at big box stores. I think a lot of people would buy these things and, yeah. and, and gravitate. But I think they will also upgrade to creating like a bunky, a bunky environment. Yeah. Because yeah. I personally would want, if I had kids and I had a wife and I was working from home and mm-hmm. I wanted some refuge, I would want to go to the backyard and know that I can go there all year long. I just got to walk through the snow and walk right in and I'm exactly. in a, a comfortable heat space that's my own space that's right what i'm interested in is you're talking about 106 square feet of floor space Mm. correct does that change the height structure there's there's a limit yeah yeah there is a limit unless you're zoned for from what i know if you have a two-story you're zoned for two-story so so uh, you could actually take a shipping container stand it up a 20 footer i think it's you correct me i think it's 10 foot well, for a shed shed, I think the it's uh, nine foot six, I think. Is it nine foot six? Yeah. Bear- no, uh, three meters or something like that. I can't remember exactly. And, yeah, something like that. For a shed to just kind of do it standard. Or before, after that, you need a variance. And part. so that you, uh, you probably already know this. You know a ton of shit. You always pretend you're stupid. Mm. Um, <laughs> Uh, I just went to the Stevie B concert. Whoa, you went to the Stevie yeah, B concert. Baby. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. He's still touring? Oh, dude, he was great. I got the a private first... picture. After this, I'll show you some private pictures. <laughs> the first album I ever bought, I'm not kidding, it was Funky Melody in 1994. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, cannot believe that. Yeah, the one where you slay down on the beach. Cool and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funky Melody, man. So at first, yeah. I didn't recognize him because I was used to him, you know, being in his Pontiac with his cool hair. Yeah. Yeah, and he came on stage and he had the biggest pop belly. And <laughs> I was like, who the oh, hell is that? God. But the ladies Then he love started him. singing. I was like, that's oh Stevie B. Stevie B. Where was he? In Vaughn. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. That um, makes sense. But, but what <laughs> I was... <laughs> but what I was leaning... Where were you leaning to? <laughs> what I was leaning to is that they had all these small shipping containers, 10 by 10. And they could carry them in. They could roll them out. Yeah. They were easy to move. At 10 by 10, you yeah. can move them easy. Oh, yeah. A easy. backhoe can pick them up. A skid yeah. steer can pick yeah, them up. Yeah, that's basically the size. This one is 9 foot wide by 10 foot 9 okay. long. Okay. And then I think the height is just under 10 feet, like you said. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's basically a two-man operation to assemble it. It's really, really interesting. So right. I just like the fact that this, these homeowners in Toronto, they've got an interesting home homemade business kind of thing. Um, and then they wanted to be conscious of everything. So they first looked at shipping containers. And then they found this Bunky Co. company, which is out of Aurora. Really neat. Okay. Um, I'm supposed to be out. going up there to check out the, the, the actual factory and check out the, the assembly of this thing. Wow, okay. Uh, hopefully I do get the job. And, and they're letting me, the homeowners are very cool. They're letting me feature everything online, so oh, that'll awesome. be really cool. But yeah, I've always been fascinated by shipping containers as well, too. So yeah. I, I wanted to tackle something. I know that I saw something recently. It's got to be Europe. I, I okay. don't know exactly where I saw someone take. They put, I, I'm going to guess, seven or eight shipping containers on a 45 bias into the earth. Mm-hmm. And then basically some of the units, the doors were removed and they acted like skylights. Oh, okay. So they were dropping yep. it into the center of it. And it actually was, and then they were all painted white. 
That's really cool. And it looked really, and it still looked like a shipping container, but yep. it was just, it was, it was design wise, the way they put it all together, it was almost like pedals. Yeah. And then there was a, a center point and that's where the main part of the structure was, right. but you had all this light point in down oh, cool. the, the length of the, the shipping container. So I, I think really that cool. you're right. I think that if you could start getting past the point of the shape of the shipping container yeah. and start becoming creative with it, make mm-hmm. it more personal for you, you could start creating certain you know, yeah. structures that are really pleasing to everybody. Yeah, all the pictures that I have, like I do snap the, sh- the pictures that I like and I put them mm. to my archive and then I use them up mm. for ammunition later on to build something. Yeah. One of the coolest bedrooms, master bedrooms I've ever seen was in a shipping container. Okay. And the guy had put like an eight by eight skylight right over his master bedroom bed. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful view to be able to be up north in your in your master oh, bedroom looking nice. up. Yeah. But even more what I like about nice. shipping containers and downsizing your life mm. is I find that dark colors and small spaces are so warm. Yes. Like there's a warm feeling about tight spaces. Yeah, earth tones and you kind of do it in the right way and you just have the right setting and you're good to go. Because you were talking one. about enjoying them, but you can really enjoy these shipping Let's build one. Yeah. You want to build one? Let's build one. Let's I wanna, just, I wanna we build can empty something. one of mine right now and we can no, start with that. I don't want one of yours. I'll design it and I'll make sure it looks nice. <laughs> so. um, now, I do have a yeah. couple questions about sure. modular. Um, That's it too? No, 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 no. I got lots. Uh-huh. I got lots. I don't think we have enough time today. Um, <laughs> no problem. I've always been concerned about thermal loss. When you take walls that are already pre-built, insulated, mm. you know, mm. wires already run. I'm always worried about how do you connect those wires? How do you connect that plumbing? And how mm. do you prevent air transfer or air movement between the corners? Okay. Like it's always been one of my concerns. Yeah. Like, does it really work? You know, when yeah. I'm such a, I'm a stick frame builder. It doesn't matter if it's out of metal or wood. I love metal better. If I get to wood, I'm always worried about just taking walls, dropping them and screwing them together, lagging them together. How are they connected? And is that a myth? It is a bit of a myth uh, if it's done in a, uh, the, the stitch line method. Basically what it is is you have your two containers, you have your exterior walls, and you have your middle container, which acts as your essentially your, your center wall. And then you have your notches on either way. And then you have actually points where uh, that are pre-notched as well, where your main wiring goes through, where your ducts uh, connect, where all of the material basically, that's your stitch line servicing area. That gets connected on site. And then you have your actual stitch line. So you move it about an inch and a half apart usually is what uh, what it does. And then they have these interlocking connections that they use right now with any uh, uh, ships now. And they connect all of them together. It looks like two hooks and then you screw yeah. them together. You have your stitch line where you actually fill it in with uh, some spray foam or however north you are. And then on the exterior, you just finish off your stitch line cladding because it's already notched. That's why you notch it at 12 inches either way. For your finishes inside and out but everything's already insulated and done and then in the crack you fill in the crack and then depending on what kind of exterior you're using that ha- that holds enough r value what's your favorite what's your go-to so far like out of all the ones you're building what do you mm-hmm. keep going to for the uh, commercial grade i like to go with either a rolled metal siding is nice because uh, it's easier to work with and you, and you do that uh, that i've seen the most of and then the other one is smart paneling what's uh, that so smart paneling is uh, essentially it's uh, it's like a thicker siding that's kind of like an MDF type of material. It's weather treated, and then you can paint right over it whatever color that you want. Oh, okay. Uh, so you can use smart paneling as a nice vertically one. applied. Is that yeah, horizontally, vertically, however okay. you want the look of it to be. Got it. And then on the roof, you always go with the uh, with the um, with your standard rolled out uh, white membrane. 
that's what I've used, and that's what uh, you know with the stick belt stuff. With a container, you don't necessarily need that, but if you're cladding the outside, you would at that point. And then you uh, just uh, have that over, and then you have an extra 12 inches that kind of flap up and overlap each other both ways. So that seals up your your roof line on the roof, and then it's all sealed up. And your your R value and your heat loss is going to be minimal, just because you have exterior foam and you have bat on the inside, and you got your drywall and everything. Uh, or you can do uh, whatever finishes that you want. You can do your five mil covering however you want to do it but it has to be the code so that's what i found so that's kind of a myth where people uh, i've seen that before is like well on the stitch lines you're gonna lose it no not really if you size your heating unit or your heating source properly i've never had that a big issue from ones that i've seen that's good to hear one thing i did want to mention for some of the people that don't know enough about wood is that mdf most people are used to medium density uh when you mentioned the aqua board which is mdf i just want a couple of listeners to know that there's mdf that is 100 percent waterproof yes. you can saturate it in water yes. it will not swell Exterior it does not behave Exterior. the same way there's like three or four different types of mdf yeah there is there's lots of different ways and that's a good thing about the containers you can Cover it with whatever you want to cover it with. The big question for me is, how do you like working with contractors? So what are the problems that you're having? Shipping containers have been around for a long time, yes. but everyone's pretty new at doing this here. Yeah. So what are the problems you're having and what do you need to change with contractors building these for you? Well, the main thing is, is the contractor essentially would come in at the install phase. And then nine times out of 10 of the bigger guys, they have their guys working full time in the plant. It's like you're working in an automotive factory, essentially, because the contractors come in, they build it inside the plant, and the plant is certified. So their job site is inside for most of the job, and they only install on-site. Right away, the contractors are a little happier because they they can be in the middle of January in their T-shirt, yeah. and they're inside, and they're building, <laughs> and they're doing their thing. But the thing is, is what I've found is that I've never really had a huge issue because I've been involved more in the you know step-by-step process of it being built. It's not a big issue because if there's an adjustment that needs to be made, I make the adjustment if, it, if it's feasible. Listen to what the contractors are saying, but the ones that I found where the contractors have an issue is when it's they don't know who's building the unit. They give them a, a say, they say, okay, and they say, okay, here's the recommended elevations for your blocking and you survey it a certain way. And then one's not fitting exactly quite right or one's not. And then they try to figure out what's going on with it and they work what's there. And then, they, you know, then it gets frustrating for them. I've always had a good experience with contractors. Uh, once they look at it and they've done one or two of them, then they get a good idea about it. And then, and then they start to really get a hang for it. Are they embracing it or are they kind of dismissing uh, f- it? 50-50. 50-50, yeah. in terms of uh, about saves money or not. Because the reason why they have that is because when I talk to them, they're not as much as saying, well, okay, well, it's not too bad because I'm, I'm being honest about it in terms of how much saving because there's a lot of great, uh, salespeople. I did, I sold these units too for about uh, four years for a company up north. And yeah, so the other salespeople would uh, bet on a job and they're like, oh, you get a 40% savings, 70% savings. And they go off of the off the shelf figures. Come in, I'm like, well, no, you save about 15% in this way. And you save about 17%. But I, I, don't think sh- I don't think a modular shipping container build, the sales pitch is in the monetary. No. I don't think it is. I think it's more what you you both said earlier today, where, where it's about how you you want to be as a homeowner, right? Mm. If you want to be conscious of the environment and the footprint and all this other stuff, because I agree with Carlito, like we don't need 5,000 square foot homes for a family of four. You don't need to do that, right? So that, no. I could see why these shipping containers started in Europe, because people live more sensibly there. Yes. They're not greedy with their surroundings. They right. just basically... 
they build for what they need. They don't Absolutely. build for excess. Right here in North America, we're the other way around, which yeah. is unfortunate. But I mean, it's great to hear that shipping containers are a 10, 15 point you know, reduction in cost. But there could be more, but it that's could, what it, I've it's seen. It's in and around that. But I yeah. think if you want to go that route, I think you are going it for because of the personal and creative side of it. Yeah, and that's why why I liked it and why I ran with it. I still do, uh, like my company still does standard building permit and, uh, and engineering with that. Like we just did a, a tapas grill in Bowmanville and did a car dealership in, in London. So we still do that. But now uh, but we always had this as an alternative and I ended up just kind of spearheading it and doing it full-time now wow. stick with that and then the other people at the office do the rest of the standard stuff but it's good to have that option outside your business partners yes you do take on say like my friends are going to be listening to this right now sure. and a lot of them are interested in shipping containers oh, okay. they don't want to deal with a complete finished product like yeah. I, I do know a lot of people that don't have the money right away to mm-hmm. get into building something and having sure. it just done can you deal with them and you know, get the, the permits done and the mm-hmm. surveys and everything. Is it the same price as building a house? I know you're a designer, but that just yeah. means architect, really? Yeah, architecture, That's what engineering. That's architect is. Yeah, right? architecture, engineering, structural engineering. Uh, we do the whole package, MEP, mechanical, electrical, plumbing. Uh, we do the whole drawing package for the unit. So we would do that. Um, yeah, we would get them the permit and uh, do it for a year. And what one of the things that people do do is they either build it in stages or they get a base building. So what a base building is, is that it's finished with all your rough-ins and, and primer. It's uh, primed on the inside, and then your exterior cladding is done. And then your finishes you can do later. The finishes I found were your highest cost if you want to get it done in the plant with certain units, uh, with a lot of units. So they have kitchens built in and all that. If you want to do it, to that, which is why I offered when I was doing sales, I offered a base building, which uh, brought it down about probably about 30 to 40 bucks a square foot for the traditional wow. yeah for, for the finishes because you gotta think about it it's like anything i haven't else. heard that number in a long time <laughs> yeah <laughs> so well it, well reason being is because you gotta think about it somebody's bringing in a kid say hey listen uh, i want this thing fully finished and then come on site and put it together okay great well he's gonna order a kitchen he's gonna put markup on it he's gonna order yep. this put markup on it just like anything else so when you say i'll give you a base building and then uh, everything's ready for you to just start putting painting it and putting in your kitchen the way you like it and everything that you want to like it it's going to take longer to do your savings. Yes, you're saving a bulk of your, you know, like 60% of your build by having it at that point. Then the other 40%, you would finish it at your at your leisure, kind of how you want to do it. You can do it in that perspective too. I saw that more with the wood frame stuff and uh, with shipping container stuff. Collapsible units are simple, so like they're more. Is it worth mixing? Like base building it, with. Uh, it is though. I've seen yeah. a lot of this happening. Is it worth it? Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it could be. It is. Have you gone um, down? Have you had a client that has yes. done that yet? Yeah. Building a, a traditional concrete foundation to begin with, and then you're mixing yeah. the first floor or the second floor? Second floor, the addition. Second floor, the yeah. addition. And in, in the rear one, on the, uh, and I've done one on the top. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So the good thing about these things, actually home additions too, uh, and mixing the two is that if you're doing an addition, you only disrupt the house for two to three weeks as opposed to three yeah. to four months. Or longer. F- or even longer with, yeah. the, with additions. So when you're going in, and that's if you're going up top. If you're going in the back, it's even less. Because all they got to do is once they have everything done and your foundation's laid and all that, you don't open up your wall until essentially everything's done. And then It kind of makes sense, huh? What scares me right now, and it mm. keeps coming to my thought, like my... Yeah. I'm always thinking about money mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always trying to build and I'm, everybody wants to flip houses. Everyone wants to yeah. build houses. There's a lot of money in real estate sure. and, and building. There's sure. no doubt about it. There always will be. One thing I'm worried about is, well, does a bank or a mortgage company 
do they recognize it as a home? Can you get a mortgage? Like what I'm afraid of is that a lot of the people that you're dealing with are already well off. They've saved a lot of money and they can do this cash. So they're mm. able to do whatever they want. Is it feasible for someone that's say 30 years old and just mm. figuring it out and mm. wanting something like this built, someone severed a piece of property out of mm. their family mm. and they wanted to build a home. Would you be able to get a mortgage to build this home? Yes. If you're using a traditional foundation for it, if it's on a, uh, Block foundation with the duck bills esteemed as a temporary structure. I don't know what the uh, mortgage criteria are for that, but for this, as far as I know, I've dealt with people who have gotten, uh, mortgages. gotten the mortgages on it, but they, That's did, great it to with, hear. they did it with the standard. Because all you're doing essentially is you go through the same permit process if you were to do it for that purpose. Along with the architect's drawings that we do, there, we also submit a secondary set of drawings of this is how we're building the structure. And it has a CSA number. Once it's delivered to site, so it's already been certified by a preemptive body and then the city comes in and they inspect it for what's been done on site and they have all that. So it's all, it goes through the exact same channels and parameters as any home that you would do. You go, you get your permit, you do all these things and then you, proceed, and then you would get a mortgage on that because it's just an alternative method of building something. That's the best way that I'm trying to Because you still have to follow the building You still have to follow policies, building policies. Right? CSA yeah. can be actually a little tighter with their policies at times than the OBC can. So uh, you, you have to really do it in a way where it's it's done properly because and then that's when the city would take that and essentially take it seriously are your drawings actually showing the shipping containers yes you, you yeah. guys are drawing yeah. them out that's yeah. a great point in yeah. the placement of where they are and, and yes. then you're also you're actually also Structural. noting all the point yes <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm talking about you're actually showing all the point loads yes and, and so because you got to transfer so if it's on a yeah. second story you're showing the shipping container how it's cut out or whatever mm -hmm. and it's connected to another one and then you're showing all the point loads for every single one correct yeah wow yeah what i've never seen that that's what is the load i see these things on ships i just saw like a yep. massive ship that was like 500 football fields yeah stacked 30 high yeah. in shipping containers That's and right. it smashed into another one. Yeah, that was and these things were fall, but these <laughs> things were stacked yeah. like 20 high. Yeah, it's probably a Michael Bay up. movie, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is for real. Yeah. That, yeah, they go way up. Like going up isn't an issue with them really that I found, but like I said, I, I try to keep it below three stories. I don't like to go higher than that. That's just my personal uh, thing. I'm sure there's ways to do it. But uh, it just comes down to a monetary things. But you can go way up with it. You can go. So even if you're cutting out certain containers, certain yes. sections of it, yeah. you could still stack other ones on top of it because the cubular whatever frame yeah. is what's really taking the structure. Yes, load. about ninety percent of it. Yeah. Wow. Ninety. Well, don't quote me on that, but a majority of it is from that exterior. You don't want to mess with that, and you don't want to take out too much unless you follow the right steps in doing it, because you might get bowing and and things like that if if it's uh, from kinda, heat. From heat and yeah. using the using the blowtorch and all that, it can kind of warp it at certain times. So when you go to fit it together, you might get a little bit of unevenness in the floor. So uh, there's certain ways to do it and steps to do it. And on my design drawings, we show this is how the proper way to do it. So what uh, is the gauge on the shipping containers? I don't know anything about that. Um, off the top of my head, that's a good question. It's not like a stainless steel. It, to me, to me, yeah, it, yeah, mine looks. Like, <laughs> I, off the top of my head, I can't remember. I'm not like sure. My panels look like they're about three sixteenths to almost a quarter inch. They're about thick. That. Yeah, 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 thick. Yeah, they're pretty thick. They're solid, it man. It takes I, a while. You need like, a laser like torch to every a plasma. Yeah, cutter. yeah, a plasma cutter. You yeah. can't use a grinder. No, you, no, you, you can. can. Yeah, it'll just take a while. A long time. 
No, <laughs> just a lot of blades. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen, I've seen fab shops where they do it that way. But yeah, they now they just got they got wise up and they need electric cut saw, so there's no carbon footprint. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I am interested in to find out. You know, we're talking about you building these shipping containers mm-hmm. uh, off grid and on grid, and mm-hmm. you know, you know, stacking them three high, and we're yeah. talking about all these really cool things. Yeah. But we haven't talked about Manny's favorite, a workout gym in a shipping container. <laughs> that would be nice. Or yeah. a car garage. That's Have nice you too. done anything like that yet? I've designed them, but I haven't actually done them with somebody yet or somebody actually where they physically built it, but I've designed them before, yeah. Yeah, you could fit a single car in there. Yes. They're nine could. feet wide. Yeah. Uh, eight feet. Eight feet wide. Eight feet wide, yeah. So slim, but you can. You can fit that, and then you get eight Ducati. Feet yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's got a monster he wants to put in there. Oh, no, man. I do not, man. <laughs> Have you done decks and like how do you start waterproofing? If you start putting second floors with decks on, like mm-hmm. I'm interested in how you would is cantilever? that cantilever? Some... How do you cantilever? Is that what you're trying to get at? No, I'm just wondering. You know, after you stack these, I've seen a few of them staggered and left like the roof on. How do you create another area from? The deck. In terms of like you want to... Like Decking the one. shipping container? Yeah, it's a it's step down. You pick out certain point and loads. So uh, essentially what it is that if you have... It's a step down or you can offset it and then you can kind of put a couple of posts on the one side. I've done that before and that's been... I've seen that done before. Essentially when, when you attach them this way, you attach them up and down or left to right. It's attached the same way, essentially. You can't think of it as Legos. Large Legos is the best way to describe Lego it. Lego was a huge empire. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think still it still is. Make <laughs> yeah. more money is. with the movies. Uh, yeah, <laughs> massive empire. Yeah, I don't even feel like we've kind of like just we're just cutting through scratching the inf- surface. Yeah, scratching yeah, yeah, the surface yeah, yeah, of yeah. this. Yeah. Well, I really hope that Canada does kind of embrace I would, this. I hope so. Too. I don't know how how does the U.S. take it. I don't huge in the U.S. Huge in the U.S. Huge. I was in Florida and uh, and they did a hotel like this. A in hotel, Miami. yeah, they're like a motel, like a motel six kind of thing. Yeah, wow, insane. It's very big in the states. So they are embracing it big time. Yeah, they've been doing it for a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, more population, right? They're three hundred and sixty million times. or something. Yeah, ten times to us. So what could make it easier for what you're doing or for the future? Uh, doing more of these things, uh, doing more podcasts, getting the word out, and actually like having a set uh, off the shelf kind of solution for it, where it can be refined and honed, and that way try tested and true kind of thing. This is just my own path that I found doing more of it. And so that way, you know, the city hall and the permit department, all those people will know more about it and they'll want to push it, not push it more, but we'll have accept less. It. Res- yeah. Accept it more. Yeah. The more and more they see, the more and more like, okay. And they know it gets refined and, and done more and done more. But all, what I've seen so far, it's always been, it's been positive, but it's just, they don't see a lot of it. That's the only thing. Do the city inspectors, understand it or do they fight you on it they fight at times yeah at times yeah have you approached uh, habitat actually as a matter of fact i'm planning to because uh one of the things i work with uh, also a company is called hoarding for humanity i they love it with, they work with habitat uh they're in, they're out of pickering they're an awesome uh, awesome company the owner is a gentleman named uh, norm he's a great guy what they do is they do the hoarding for retails they're in 20 malls and uh what they do is when they're done they take the stuff down and they donate the material to Habitat. Nice. Wow. So I wanted to device something where I can approach them, but at the current time, I'm not working with them, but I would like to, in the future, if I have something that someday... That would I've be always wanted to from. do a Habitat job, but mm. if you wanted to do one in Toronto, the wait list is like two, three years. 
Really? It's insane so to get on a job site, right? Wow. So I, I don't know where, but one day I'd like to... I've, you've never done a Habitat, have you? No, I haven't, unfortunately. I want to do one. I want to give up my time. I'm not saying anything bad about, about that organization no, saying, or any other organization like mm -hmm. that. If I'm going to donate my time, I want to make sure that no one is making money. 100% of everything is going to I the people. I thought that's what it was like. Yeah. I, th I think there's some overhead costs that get people get paid out for. And that's always been uh, just one of my pet peeve things, you know? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's just when they build a house for a creation. <laughs> yeah, or just stick you in a small 10 by 10 shipping container and send you on, a on the ocean yeah. well whatever we can do here to help because i, I, I definitely it, I, I know carlito and myself we're, yeah. we're both interested in, in trying to tackle one of these one day we want to i want to i'm excited about that other project because i've always been fascinated about these kinds of new structures we've done stick framing before we've done traditional framing right. i want to we we talk to people outside of north america because we want to know what they're doing fascinating you telling us a story about lebanon as well too yeah. like i want to yeah. know more about that i want to learn sure. more about because that's how you you contribute you get back to the industry right yeah and yeah that's and that was a big thing with me yeah yeah because it, it, you know, I've been going there since I was a kid, and when I saw that, it kind of I connected with it in a whole different way. Because I've I've also in 2010 I've been to Damascus, and it was one of the most amazing cities I've ever visited in my life. And uh, when all this stuff happened, and and I just uh, you know politics aside and all that, I didn't really pay attention to any of that. But I just saw how they were living and the living conditions, and what they what and what inspired me is what they did with what they had. They literally yes. made like a small little town made out of whatever you want they had things made out of barrels they had things made out of and they got really inventive with it and that kind of inspired me i said well i you know i have this education i was we're fortunate to be uh, you know first generation canadian can in, in, in canada i said well this could be a way of giving back in a way of doing that so what do i have i have my knowledge i have my experience i'm not wealthy by any stretch of means of the imagination but you know i'm a lot better than what i saw and that's what opened my eyes. And I'm like, okay, what can I do? And then I yep. started, then just rolled from there. And then I met Robbie along the way. And he's like, oh yeah, I just came back from Timishara. I was like, okay, <laughs> what are you doing there? Yeah. And then, and then uh, we kind of went from there. So that's the big thing is we want to kind of do that too. And this, uh, that's one of the things I want to push more and more of is that kind of stuff. So. I think it's important. I think it's extremely important to give yeah. back. Sure. Whatever you can give back and educate because you don't know who might the same way you just met Robbie. Yeah. You don't know who you might cross paths with. No, that might take an idea that you can't think about moving any further and mm -hmm. they might take it and take it a lot further. And that's what's really key here. Right. Yeah, you want that. So if you could pass on the knowledge to them, then great. And yeah. then they do something with it. And you guys so. can have me back on here anytime. For sure. Um, oh, we got lots. Yeah. yeah. We're just talking about shipping containers, but I got I really wanted to get into other things like some diplomatic talk about you know, normal construction and, yeah. you know, how to deal with engineers and architect, you know, mm. redlining costs and so on. There's so many things I want to talk about because everyone always tries to tippy toe and be proper. And me and Manny, we really like it. We want to talk that yeah. everyone does at home or at the bar yeah. and they don't want to talk about it in public. That's yeah. what we want to talk about. Those, those, the real, those are the I'm, true I'm, stories, right? Yeah, the real bar. stories. Yeah, um, absolutely. I did want to ask you one last question before yeah, Manny kicks me much, out. As much uh, as you want. Can you make a shipping container that's like, can you get it made the same structural frame, yeah. but larger, like say... 20 by 15 mm. could you do something like that when you get into something that size it's not worth getting and doing it like a shipping container what you do is you use uh, you do an external skeleton i call it linked together and then you just insert it 
with what you're trying to insert it with. So it becomes like a two piece thing. Doing just a large shipping container, I'm sure it can be done, but I don't know. I haven't seen it. What is the largest, largest shipping container that you know of so far? That I know of so far, eight foot by 50 footers, 52 footers, and yeah, nine I, and a half tall. I that. got mine 52. That was the biggest delivered. Yeah, that's about that. Because past that, well, you have a, you're, you're, you're bound to about 60 feet long for floaters and trucks and, and all that. So it's and it's transport. Feet it's all about transport. transport yeah, right? 12 feet is your maximum width. And then if you go past 12 feet, you can go 12 to 14. But then you need a police escort. Yeah. And just to go through Toronto on the 401, do you know how much it costs for a police escort? I don't even want to $850, I think, per, just to drive through that little stretch. Wow. So if you have five of them, 850 wow. 850 850 yeah. Or you could just do it legally and have about 100 of them. Or just <laughs> when they pull yeah, you yeah, over, yeah. just go, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm a Croatian. I don't know the big English. Well, you want to hear something funny? It was a funny story. Somebody actually tried doing it, uh, not so, you know, and they were down on, um, you know, like St. Clair and Caledonia area. You got, yeah. the, you got that Stockyards. bridge thing. Yeah, Stalker, you got the bridge thing there. Yeah. So somebody was uh -oh. trying to get one of the units under that, and uh -oh. it was too tall. Uh -oh. And they let the air out of the tires of the whole truck, and they tried getting under, and they still, and the, and they still couldn't get under. <laughs> and that's when the cops got involved and all that kind of stuff. This was years ago. I was. Uh, uh, King yeah. Street was famous for that, yeah. King, where Liberty Village was. <laughs> really? Yeah. There was that one bridge there that was always tight, and the, and the trailers would always go down and lock it up, man. Yeah. Yeah. And let the tires out, and then all let it go. Yeah, it was still too tall. Yeah, so there's the height restrictions and width restrictions and length constrictions. Contact information again. So your website uh, www.acadmodular.com and uh, adnan at acadmodular.com. You can find me and. All means look forward to doing more of these and talking to people about for this. sure. So if anybody's got any more questions to ask that we didn't ask questions about, ask away. It's time for the Green Book. So yeah. it's time for Green Book. Do, 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 do. Green Book time. Uh, so brought to you by Precious, apparently. So, so last week we talked about helmets uh, out of the Green Book. Listen, yeah. it's mandatory. We're, we're talking to architect yeah. engineer here. It's yeah. mandatory yeah. to have your Green Book on site. Yes. You have to have a job box. You have to have your first aid. Yes, So we're, we're basically talking about fines for not wearing proper equipment. So okay. last week we talked about helmets and boots. Yes. I'm looking under section 112. It's a $250 fine for any construction worker. And it basically says, worker failing to wear adequate eye protection while using any tools is $250. It's $195 not for having any glasses. So you're supposed to wear safety glasses all day yes. at work yeah. and 250 while you're using it. So even if yeah. you're a painter? I think about it. Paint goes in your eye. It's a chemical. True. What you Now you need an eyewash station. So now you need to wash all that out with silica. Do you agree with this, Manny? No. <laughs> no, you may not agree with it, but it's happening a lot. One okay, time, so what's the posted speed limit? That depends on your feet. Oh, that's what I'm trying to get at, right? <laughs> okay, so here's a perfect example. One day we were, we just had poured some some self-leveler over top of a radiant heat floor. So right. we had built a three-story concrete home. Every floor had radiant heat, so we mm. poured some concrete, and there was something had happened. Either it was leaking or there was a break somewhere. So we proud out our, our detector, found where the break was. My boss asked me, he said, hey man, drill a hole in there. Me not second guessing it. I grabbed yeah. the drill and I, we make a spot, marker it, and I start drilling and all that glucose sprayed me in the eyes. Thank God it was glucose. 
It could have been some antifreeze, yeah, and yeah. I could have been blind. So it's just as simple as you're just doing daily work. If you don't practice and, and keep those habits of wearing glasses, Manny. Yeah. Manny hates glasses. <laughs> no, no. No, it's not that I, I, I just don't think that you need safety goggles for every single detail well, of a job. So Here, I, got, get, I get the green book. I get the rules. Trust me. I get mm-hmm. all that stuff. Facts are facts. It's a 2019 green book, and it states... $195 for not having glasses on at a construction site. And then it goes into $250 fines for working with tools. Okay, so that technically wow. means, you guys correct me if I'm wrong here, when that inspector shows up on your site... Yeah, it has that to have glasses on. Has to have glasses on, yeah. has to have everything on. And if they don't have it, then what? Are they going to get fined? I- I've never seen that happen. They've always walked on site with glasses on and everything on? Okay, so what I do see... Hard is, hat, yes, safety boots, So yes. what I do yeah. see is the first thing that happens is we have a... A meeting every morning and you're supposed to with your employees or your employer and basically talk about wearing the helmet the glasses and then you get the guys to sign off you get a piece of written piece of paper that these are the topics you talked about the weather you know everyone signs off that protects the company and the supervisor that you had that talk mm-hmm. that you educated the guys that day it's up to them as adults i know but the company can still get fined but the point is, is that when they see a, a white helmet come on, well, here's or the they thing. see a su- every, every oh. single inspector that I've mm. seen come on my job site has walked on with the helmet under his arm. Only once or twice I've seen an inspector show up on site with it on his head. And 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 I'll tell you this <laughs> too. I'll tell you this. Every single inspector that's walked on my site on any site of mine, not one of them ever had safety goggles. Okay, but Manny, Me not too. once. But yeah, how about here. how about this, Manny? When I came to your site, I was wearing a helmet. Mm-hmm. I had glo- you gave me beautiful gloves, but I always wear gloves. Mm-hmm. I always wear glasses. Uh, I'm wearing my safety glasses right now while we're talking. They're really cool. They're, very yeah, they're prescription glasses. Uh, yeah, they're, yeah nice. but they're safety glasses. And, yes. you know, yeah. I wear them from work and sometimes I forget I even have them on, but I'm protected at all times. Thank sure. God. If you look at my glasses, you can see chips and scratches from yeah, yeah, pieces yeah. of metal. And anyways, yeah. Yeah. how about if that guy gets hurt? One of the guys upstairs, one of the painters that's wearing his running shoes, kicks over a can. That can goes flying off the second floor, lands on this guy's head. Now he's got paint in his eyes. He's got a a ding in his head. It's sliced open. Who's responsible? You are because you never got him to sign the paper. I get get it. Trust me. I get it. And the the problem is it is a cash grab, but it's also there for our safety. Thank you. That's that's all I wanted to hear. That's true. That's all I want to hear. All right. I think we got to get back on track. Sorry. Sure. <laughs> sure. Thank you very much for such a great podcast and enlightening oh, us with you, the man. whole. Oh, we're going to get out of here. Thank you very much, man. So thank anybody you. else got any questions, please give him a holler. Reach out to us. We'll forward every me, message man. to him. We're fascinated by modular building. We want to see more people thank be you. fascinated by it. Carlito, get us out of here, man. Get us out of you here. You know what? Today it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be the 519 London, baby. Construction live. <laughs>